Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is D. Neil Elliott. Neil is an author of the new book, A Higher Road. He's also an engineer. We talk a lot about science and spirituality and bridging that gap. I hope you guys enjoy. Please check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, D. Neil Elliott. All right, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here with D. Neil Elliott. D. Uh, Neil, thanks for joining me, man. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here today. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. I'm excited to have a conversation with you as well. Um, I'll let my audience know you're author of the new book called The Higher Road. Um, yeah, maybe I'll let you kind of uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the book and like kind of what you're kind of going with or what you're trying to do with the book. Yeah, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> full title is uh, It's a Higher Road, Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually. And I offer a seven-step process to inner peace, joy, love, abundance, and prosperity for everyone to consider. And uh, <clears throat> the book's available on Amazon or through your bookstore. It's available in all your favorite ebook formats. All right. uh, and uh, if you go to my website, which we can talk about later, you can uh, uh, request a, a free chapter. It's the first chapter. So I'll, I'll quickly, let me tell you a little bit about um, the book, and then we'll jump into whatever questions you have. Sweet. Yeah, please do. <clears throat> so... Um, the impetus for writing the book was uh, over my first 57 years of life, I drove myself, and we'll talk about that, but you know, I, I took myself to uh, the brink of suicide. And uh, the circumstances that arose out of that, and we can talk about that as well, but um, you know, there's this foundation being layered onto me that, I, that was unknown to me that uh, prepared me for some new information I was going to receive. And I say it found me um, about a week prior to me sitting down to crafting that suicide note. And so I crafted the suicide note. I'm a professional engineer and I have an MBA and I've worked in the hydroelectric industry for over 30 years. So I have that kind of mindset. Okay. So science-based. Yeah. Very, very logical. Kind of methodical. Yeah. <laughs> and methodical <laughs> and process oriented. Uh, per perfect for spirituality <laughs> right there. <laughs> so um, anyway, this uh, information came to me about a week prior to crafting the suicide note. And uh, it promised to liberate me from my thinking. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more as well, about all the things that I tried in the past to do that it was never successful with. And, um, so I finished the note and I thought, okay, I'm going to set this aside. Cause you know, I, I pulled the trigger on doing suicide, you know, I'm, that's it. I, I'm done. Right. 
And I thought, okay, well, I can always commit suicide three months from now, six months from now. And I, and I wanted to plan that out to make sure my wife was going to be financially okay. And I wanted to say goodbye to my family without um, them knowing what I was going to do. So it was going to, the suicide was going to happen a little bit later anyway, as a result of this plan I put in place. That's the engineering me. So um, I thought, okay, well, I'll stick that aside and I'll, and I'll embark on this information and learn this information that promised to liberate my thinking. And if it doesn't work, not a problem. I'll just finish the task. And uh, so I started that process and I was 57 and a half years old at the time, uh, 57 and a half years old at the time. And uh, it was near the end of 2017. And so I started that process and uh, my book is about that process. And I woke up a year later and I was just, I was full of peace and I was joy of, full of joy and love. And it was a total transformation about how I thought and how I viewed the world. And so as a result of that, I wanted to stand on the rooftops and share this with everybody. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be looked at like an idiot. So I won't do that. That's not going to be a successful way to do this. And it took me a couple of years and I figured out, okay, the best way to do this is to write a book. And, um, and then the book took about a year to put together because uh, it kind of morphed over time. And uh, so then I, I crafted this book and my goal with this book is to share with people the process that I went through based in science, but my book will bridge this gap between spirituality and science. And it's a kind of, it's a, it'll be an easy read for people. I, I get into some science, uh, but uh, I do it in a way which is a concepts that we'll all understand. Mm-hmm. I, I, I introduce people to this blueprint material. And then um, in the latter part of the book, what I do is, is I describe what happened to me as I went through these seven steps. Mm-hmm. And so my recommended way to read my book is read it from cover to cover, understand the process in its entirety, and decide for yourself whether this is something that's going to work for you or not. Okay. And and uh, if it is, then you go back and you either start with some of the science steps or science information and books that I share, or just start directly with step one mm-hmm. and then follow the process that, that I've outlined. And um, so the book is structured this way. First chapter is kind of overview of what you're going to learn and what drove me to that, uh, the, the circumstances that got me to that point of suicide, the brink of suicide. Second part, I did a um, very candid memoir of my life and i did that in a way i'm very private typically but i thought it was important for people to actually understand the mechanisms that we use moment by moment in our lives to create every event and every circumstance that comes into our life and we reinforce that over time through our thinking and our feeling okay and can you you go in depth on that a little bit like uh, yeah i will uh, so why don't just uh, just because I'm trying to stay on track here, let okay, me tell you, yeah, sure, finish sure. the book and then we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, so, uh, so I did that in a very candid way so that people can kind of go after they decide if this works for them, they may go back to that chapter and look at it and, and uh, kind of pick apart their own life or review their own life in terms of the kind of thinking and feeling that they have developed 
um, that's, that's bringing and attracting these things into their lives that they don't like or that they do like. And um, so then the third part of the book is really the science section that I talk about consciousness and I new concepts of consciousness. And I share a variety of books that I had read that was preparing me to open my mind up to accept this new information, this blueprint document that I'll talk about. And um, so I share that process. I share uh, an NDE of a, of a woman who uh, had an NDE. We talk about that too. And then in the next part of the book, I share the, uh, the fourth part of the book. I share the, this blueprint document excerpts from it. I introduce people to it and I provide all of that material that, that came to me as a free PDF for people once they've um, embarked on this process. So after you've read a higher road, cover to cover, decide it's for you, start the process, and uh, you can reach out uh, again on my website uh, and you can get uh, access to this material. And then in that last part of the book, I share my personal experience as I, as I follow these seven steps. And uh, so that's how the book's laid out. So now <laughs> let's go into your questions. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, you said you were reading books for like years to kind of prepare you for this journey. So were you always on this kind of maybe a journey inward or trying to be like, are you always trying to find out about yourself or was there some sort of suffering there that you knew you had to try to heal yourself from? Um, what was your whole idea of like spirituality or going down this kind of path of like self-actualization before you you came to that time of like committing su or contemplating suicide? Uh, so I grew up as um, agnostic. We, we were not a religious family. And my mom, I would say, was more of an atheist. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I can remember as a child, you know, I'd be laying out, you know, in, in elementary school and laying out in the playground and looking at the grass and the trees and, you know, the bugs and everything and thinking, you know, like, this is just so magnificent and the clouds in the sky, you know, and, and, um, there's gotta be something that created all of this. It's just like fantastic. But, um, you know, so no, no, nothing spiritual there. Just that was my first kind of hint of that. And then um, I developed the patterns of thinking that I developed. Um, and when I was in my 30s, so that'd be in the 1990s, I, uh, I'm currently 61. So I was born in 1960. So when I was in my 30s in the 1990s, I, I came to the point where I thought, okay, uh, I have... I'd like to change how I think because I, I have a fairly negative view. I am very judgmental. You know, this is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. That person's a jerk. That person's good, <laughs> you know, and, um, and thoughts around those things. And um, I thought, okay, well, I need to develop a more positive attitude and see if I can change my mindset to view things in a different way. And so I picked up books at the time, you know, by Wayne Dyer, Tony Robbins, Napoleon Hill, all of those kinds of books. Mm -hmm. And, and I read them and I liked them and I thought that they had a lot to tell me, but all of the processes they offered, they were good, but they didn't work for me. I couldn't shift how I thought my fundamental belief of, you know, what is right or what wrong or, or what we know in science from observation and measurement and calculation, you know, that is right. You know, you can't argue with that. Right. So, um, to me, there was, there were 
good things, there were bad things that were right and this wrong. And so I went into consulting in uh, the early 2000s and I got into consulting work. So none of that spiritual stuff I read stuck. I couldn't make it work. Still interested in spirituality, but I didn't really follow it because I, uh, after that in the 2000s, because, um, you know, I was just busy. I was a consultant. So when you're a consultant, you're kind of head down working, trying to please a client all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, it all became about work. But what happened was I slowly, and this crept on really slowly for me, I suspect it's the same for other people, uh, this really deep depression where I got to a point in 2015 where I'm thinking, wow, like, you know, there's nothing good about this life. Like, why are we here? What are we doing? So I started to ask questions, you know, to myself about what's the purpose of life? You know, it seems pretty pointless to me working like crazy, make a lot of money, spend a lot of money. And, you know, not that I didn't have happy times, not that my wife didn't, you know, holiday and have fun. She's German. So, you know, we go back to Germany and Europe and and love the architecture and stuff. There's lots of things we enjoyed, mm-hmm. but inside I was a mess, right? Mm-hmm. Inside I was really dark, deep, depressed. And then, so I picked up some spiritual books then in 2015 and started to read new ones that were issued. And um, again, great concepts, you know, evolved thinking from the nineties. And, uh, but I couldn't make the processes work for me. And so that got me to this uh, brink of suicide. And it was some books that I read that I share in a higher road that prepared me to think about consciousness in a different way. And then started this process of bridging science to spirituality. Hmm. And in reality, what we need to do is we need to bridge spirituality to science, but we can talk about that later. But these first books I read started me on this path of opening me up and, and helping me think differently about consciousness and about how we affect our own biology mm. and about, and about things that I believe to be right or wrong, true or false, good or bad. I came to realize uh, from one author that I read that everything that we believe is really just a belief. Mm-hmm. And that was a fundamental shift for me. So, um, you know, things that I thought uh, that are grounded in science, even, you know, it is really just a belief that we have about it. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it is just a belief. We adopt that belief. And, um, and so made me think about consciousness entirely differently. That just prepared me for this new information that came into my life. Okay. And uh, how did that, how did you decide or how did you change looking at consciousness? Like what was the difference uh, in the way you looked at it? So um, what I used to believe, uh, and so science believe, used to believe this as well, is that the brain is fixed and it atrophies over time. Now, yeah. in the 60s, they figured out that, okay, it's not necessarily true. You can change your neural pathways by how you think and going through some processes, and you can build new brain cells. And, um, but I used to think consciousness was entirely in my brain, and everything that I thought about were things that I had either been exposed to as a child or learned uh, from either interactions with other people or through education. 
And um, so I thought every thought I had was something that um, I pulled out of my brain and cobbled it together to make sentences or concepts or, um, you know, uh, essentially uh, everything came out of my brain. Mm-hmm. And, and after reading some of these science-based books, I came to understand that consciousness is not only in our brain, it's in us and it's all around us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started to think of consciousness more as a stream going by my awareness. And I would, uh, we do this in a nanosecond, I'd pick out a thought out of that stream. I'd decide I like it, I'd keep it and I'd dwell on it and I'd think about it. Or if I didn't like it, I'd just throw it back in the stream and let it go. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I thought about consciousness, uh, or that's my new concept of consciousness. It's even more expanded than that. But that is the change, a fundamental change that I had initially was going from this, it's in my brain, to now it's the stream, and I make choices about what I'm thinking about. I love that. Yeah, and I make choices about what I believe. Yeah, I love that. It's It's a very empowering shift as well. And uh, one thing I really like about that, it's uh, even how you said it's in my brain, it feels like it's closed off. And like, it feels like my beliefs are just there and you, you don't really have any power over them or anything. But when you expand consciousness into more than that, into more into your body, into everything around you, and, and then you start seeing it as a stream, then there's this movement. And there's this like, you're part of that movement. And then all of a sudden, you're more a part of life. And and you become more empowered because like you said, when you start actually understanding that uh, all of these thoughts or perceptions, feelings, they're just there and in, in a moment of consciousness, then you get to actually make that decision of, do I want to, do I want to like go with that thought and like uh, pursue it? Or do I, is this thought not for me and just let it go? And uh, it's a very uh, empowering shift. Yeah. So and, and I agree 100%. Um, the, the next key thing for me was, you know, having the concept of this is a stream and I choose a thought, mm-hmm. but actually shifting my fundamental belief of, oh, you know, I like that thought. That, that's right. I know this from my entire life that this thought is right. I'm going to keep <laughs> this thought. <laughs> and actually being able to make that shift and go, that's just a belief. That might not be true. Could be true. Could be false but it's just a belief. And if I choose, and if that thought is not, um, you know, promoting my well-being or my health, why would I keep that belief? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I shift that and change that? And, and that to me was, you know, the initial part of not saying I jumped on it and did that right away, but that is the initial thing of looking at it and going, as you just said, you, have some power over this mm-hmm. the the difficulty we have as humans is that um, we shape our so when we're a baby we come in okay so let me back up and just say we are our souls are a fragment of divine consciousness they are perfect they are whole and they are unconditional love and 
when we come in as a baby up to the age of five, we are, we're not making conscious choices about our thinking or about what we're doing. That happens around age five, age five or six in our brains. And so when we come in as a baby, if you're born into a family of, of means that, you know, loves you and can feed you and, you know, diaper you and keep you well, you are this little embodiment of joy and you are a sponge. You just absorb everything that's around you. You absorb the feelings of your parents or acquaintances or siblings or friends. You um, take on things that they're saying. You develop a belief system that um, is influenced by what they are saying and they're exposing you to and what they're talking about. And um, so you'll come in uh, with certain things that you created in a past lifetime, we'll talk about reincarnation, but you'll <laughs> come in, you come in with things from a past lifetime that you haven't dealt with. And then it gets mixed with all this influence from your parents and your family and your siblings when you're really young. Then when you're age five, you start to make your own choices, but you have already started to shape how you think and the feelings that are associated with that. And then as we grow older from, you know, at this age five to adulthood, we think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world, but really what we're doing is we're shutting our soul off from the light, from the connection with the divine, and we are reinforcing these patterns of thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And so when you get, when you're an adult, you have these ingrained patterns of thinking. So just understanding now that con that consciousness is really a stream that goes by you for example and understanding that you can make your own choice around what you think about doesn't mean it's going to be necessarily easy to do because something that you've reinforced over a lifetime as true or false good or bad right or wrong is going to be deeply embedded in your subconscious yeah and and things that are embedded in your subconscious are like concrete they take a long time to break up and dissolve and you need a process to go through doing that. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I that completely, I remember hearing somebody beautifully describe it just as like, when you get caught into a pattern, it's like a river and it's like uh, building, like, you know, it's indenting in your brain, making an indent. But now like that water always goes through that river. That's how like rivers work in the real world. So if you want to make a new river, you have to slowly carve that out. And it takes time, it takes effort, it takes awareness. Like uh, that's where kind of the spiritual work and the time kind of thing comes into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I do like that. So when you got to this point, though, like then what was uh, the kind of changes that you uh, like, what was the next kind of step in the change in the process? So, um, so let me describe a few that came about here. So I read this book that um, again, I share all of this in a higher road, but I read this book that, that had me think about consciousness in a different way. And then I read a book about um, how our thinking will promote or be contrary to the health and well-being of our cells. So our thinking affects the expression of a cell and, and the expression of a cell is the work it does. Yeah. And now this for me 
well, is based in science. It's based in, you know, medical research. It's based in biological research. So they have data that says, yes, how you think will either promote the well-being of your cell or be detrimental to it. Mm-hmm. So, so this next link for me was, oh, what I think about either, you know, makes me ill or makes me healthy. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a choice. Oh, well, okay, well, what do I, you know? So, so then the next thing I read was um, some books on um, neuroplasticity. And that is, um, again, medical doctor, documented, uh, researched. And it was how in the 60s, they discovered that the brain could be uh, rewired in terms of how you think these neural pathways, but you could build new brain cells. So the easy read books and, and powerful books on uh, examples of people that had brain injury. And how going through processes that they went through to rewire their thinking, they could build new brain cells and they could alleviate all or some of the uh, negative effects of those brain injuries. And so to me, this was okay. Well, you know, I have consciousness that's in a stream. I choose my own thoughts. The thoughts I choose are affecting my biology. The thoughts I choose affect neural pathways in my brain. And I can build new brain cells with new knowledge, or I can be detrimental to that process. And I can be stuck with the way I think. So then I read this book about a a woman who experienced a near-death experience. And uh, she, at the age of 46, went into a coma. So over a four-year period, Uh, she had suffered from this aggressive form of cancer that slowly was wasting away her body. And she tried all the different modalities of trying to, you know, heal her cancer. Um, But at the age of 46 or roughly around there, uh, she fell into a coma. She was at a point where her body, you know, had gone from a normal body weight down to 90 or 75 pounds, like really, you know, compromised. Yeah. And she had, she had from her uh, waist to her head or her neck anyway, um, full of um, tumors. And, and she had these open uh, weeping le- uh, uh, lesions. Jeez. Uh, she fell in, she was um, required 24, uh, seven by 24 care. She uh, couldn't lift her head on her own. Um, and uh, she was on oxygen 24 hours a day. She fell into this coma and she was rushed to the hospital. The admitting physicians told her husband and her family that she wasn't going to make it through the night. The next morning or or the next day, about 24 hours later, she woke up and she declared to her family that she was going to be totally fine. And within two weeks, they couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. Jesus. And they did all kinds of prolonged testing and, and she knew she was going to be okay. And she thought, okay, well, I'll stay and let them test because, you know, they don't believe it. and I'm okay with this. And finally she protested and said, forget it. I've you know, had enough of these tests. So she was out of there. And um, so she's written a book, which I, I share with people and I suggest everybody read it. And, 
And what this book did is it stretched my concept of consciousness now to even a, a broader perspective of consciousness. And um, she came back with specific messages, but in her book, she describes this 24 hour period when she was in her coma and what she experienced. And she brought back messages like we come from love and we return to love. We're only love mm-hmm. um, that you're not judged after death. Uh, no matter what you do in this life that um, she felt like she had this 360 degree awareness that whatever she focused on, she could listen to conversations or feel other people's feelings. And she was in Hong Kong and her brother was rushing from India to try and make it to Hong Kong before she died. And she said she could see him on the plane and she could feel how anxious and concerned he was while he was on this flight coming to see her. Um, And another thing she said, she said many things, but another one she said was that she felt like she was becoming part of everything in the universe. And every time she started to get focused on what was happening in the hospital or with a family member, she felt herself expanding to be even larger and bigger. Um, Her dad had died, I think about 10 years earlier, her best friend had died from cancer, you know, roughly five, I'm picking these numbers out of there five years earlier and she met them on the other side and and um she said it's it's like you're this energy you're not in human form this is her experience you're an ear this energy and you don't communicate the same way we communicate as as uh, humans um she said you it's like you you understand what they're thinking when they're thinking yeah Mm. and so um anyway she really great description of what happened when she was in the coma and she came back and because she knew who she really was she knew that her cancer would just disappear and it did within a two-week period and so um she's been on a mission to try and tell everybody this story and you know share other things that you know she had learned so um uh, is she still to... alive? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's still alive. This was in 2006. Yeah. Oh, what's her so name? She's, she's a year older than I am. Her name's Anita Morjani. Oh wow. The book is a is called Dying to Be Me. Wow. So this um, book stretched my consciousness, and um, so this is actually step one of the book. So you'll read about consciousness and this new concepts. You'll be introduced to all these science works, and then I introduce you to this book of Anita's and I suggest you read it. Hmm. Um, again, I would read a higher road from cover to cover and make that decision for yourself before you kind of embark on all these additional readings, unless they're interested to you, then go ahead and read them. But um, uh, Anita's just her description uh, will just stretch anybody's imagination of, of what they think about consciousness. Hmm. Then um then I got into this blueprint material that came to me. So those are the, those are the um, steps that led me and started to open my consciousness into this, or excuse me, my understanding of consciousness into this new expanded awareness. Mm. 
that's uh yeah that's uh that's interesting so I, I'm, I'm trying to like uh i want to know a little bit about like uh because your scientific background because it seems like you want to have uh have a little bit of a scientific explanation sometimes to some of these spiritual questions of when you talk about stuff like even reincarnation or afterlife uh how do you like how do you allow your logical part of yourself to kind of grapple with that so let me first um give you a little bit of information on something that's related and then i'll talk about the reincarnation piece okay so you know, because you're talking about science and, and that's right. Is like, I want things that are grounded, uh, you know, measurable, observable, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But so let's talk about what we know in science today, conceptually, uh, your, what we know right now is that in reality, there's nothing solid in the universe. Everything is really just energy particles. Elements are made up of energy particles at a, at a subatomic level. Everything is just energy. Mm -hmm. And we know this in science today. And so, you know, if you, you think of a, of an atom, an atom has more space in it than it does anything that we consider to be solid. Mm -hmm. And so we know intellectually that there's nothing solid in the universe yet our perception is that things are solid, you know? And I can tell you that if you went outside on the street and stood in front of a moving bus, likely you're going to get hurt or killed. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. That was my first thought to give it a shot. Well, I guess stuff isn't solid. Let's do that. <laughs> um, so this is part of, and we'll talk about this, but this is just a concept. This is a belief that you are solid. Mm-hmm. And so this transformation is in how, you know, part of this transformation is in how you think about things. Yeah. But you're here to learn. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But so first thing I understood was, okay, that, um, you know, at a subatomic level, everything is just energy particles. So now in science, the other thing we know is that there was a big bang and everything that we see in the material universe, it came out of that big bang electromagnetism, you know, planets, elements, everything came out of that. They don't know what was, what was before the big bang. And they don't know the impetus for the big bang or how it happened. And they don't know how things came into material form. So science believes that, you know, these energy particles were randomly got together through fusion and created elements. Um, or created matter that got together to create, you know, elements. And then these elements randomly got together to create uh, a living molecule. And then these living molecules randomly got together to create a, the first living cell. And then from there, through billions of years of evolution, we have all the life forms that we see on the planet today. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what science believes. And, and even though, um, you know, there's a, a branch of science quantum physics that's trying to understand how all of this works. You know, it's all just theories and postulations. And um, so the this blueprint material describes what was before the Big Bang, describes the impetus for the Big Bang, what happened at the time of the Big Bang, 
how electromagnetism came into form, and then through evolution, how we get to where we are today. Mm. So before the Big Bang, uh, you know, so I'll give you this brief overview. Before the Big Bang is universal consciousness. You're going to have to read this for yourself. But before the Big Bang is universal consciousness. It is in silence and stillness, and it's uh, imposing impulses that are locked in an embrace of equilibrium. And so, you know, if you think of atoms, it's the space in an atom, for example. It's all space. Mm -hmm. So we come, so many would call this aspect, this universal consciousness aspect, many would call this God or the Tao or Yahweh or Allah, whatever you want to call it. You know, we can agree that it's maybe called that, you know, God or the source of our being. So there's this universal consciousness. It was split into divine consciousness. And, and the reason for that is that it wanted to experience itself. So divine consciousness is unconditional love. Or universal consciousness is unconditional love. Split into divine consciousness. So there's still universal consciousness, but there's this aspect of it that's divine consciousness. And it is the aspect of universal consciousness, which is, uh, will forever work in this, um, in this aspect of um, space that enables and allows for materialized form. And the reason for that is to be able to experience itself, experience things beyond unconditional love. Mm. And so... <clears throat> the way that it creates materialized form is through electromagnetism. Your soul is a fragment of divine consciousness. So um, electromagnetism allows or enables um, to create fragments of divine consciousness that are whole and real, but provide materialized form. And it's in this materialized form where we experience all of these other emotions love, hate, you know, judgment, all of these things that we as humans experience. Your soul comes here on this school, uh, in this school we call earth, to learn and experience. And your soul's journey is to learn in varying genders. So over a long period of time, through many incarnations, you're going to be reincarnated through different skin colors, male, female, Uh, you're going to be born into different circumstances of of wealthy or poor, you're going to have different levels of education, you're going to have different cultural um, influences, you're going to come through different religions. And all of these things are to provide learning for that soul. And at some point, your soul will wake up and understand through these um, mechanisms of of consciousness that uh, is driven by electromagnetism, and we talk a little bit about that, that give you these experiences. And um, over time, your soul will wake up and realize what it's doing to itself. And then it will begin this process to uh, dissolve these bondages of the ego and uh, reconnect back with the divine. We are not, so we're not here to please God. 
we are here to express God. And at some point in the process of your evolution as a soul, you will begin to wake up and be able to go through this process where you are an expression of God. And that expression of God is unconditional love. Okay. Damn. All right. <laughs> That's uh, quite a big uh, thing you gave us there. <laughs> yeah, Matt. All right. Uh, where did you uh, kind of learn this? Or is this something you picked up like through your own transformation? So, um, Okay, so I'll answer that. And there's probably a few little gaps here that we need to fill out, maybe. maybe. Okay. Um, so this blueprint document. So these documents or these books that I read beforehand were, I can now look back and say, this is the process that happened to me. So it's only through lessons of suffering does the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. Your... Okay. Your goal over many incarnations is to get to a point where you go through this process to dissolve the bondages of the ego. So remember I talked about as you grow from babyhood to adulthood, you are, your ego becomes in control through these mechanisms mm -hmm. and you, bond, you bind down your soul and you shut it off from the light of the divine. Okay. You need to over might be a few lifetimes as soon as you start this process, but you need to dissolve these bondages and allow your soul to actually connect back with the divine. We live in a duality. We have, we are ego driven and um, the ego can only, only works through these mechanisms of bonding with everything it likes or rejecting and push away everything it doesn't like. This is electromagnetism. So you, all the things that you like in life, I like that car, I like that person, I like that event, I like to do those things, I want to travel to that country. Those are all things you bond with. Yeah. Things that you don't like, you push away for safety and security, but you push them away. I don't like that food, I don't like that person, I don't like how they think, I don't like that event, whatever. You push that away. These are the only mechanisms that the ego has to, um, to make itself happy or make itself feel protected and safe. And um, your soul is always trying to prompt the ego to get back to this state of unconditional love. But your soul, but your ego only has these mechanisms of bonding or rejection. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, as you're growing older, what you're doing is you're these, these um, mechanisms bind down the soul and cuts it off from the light. And you will, you will continue to be ego driven in terms of all your responses to life and everything you think about as right or wrong, good or bad, true or false, until you wake up to the fact of what you're doing to yourself. And so the key for me was as soon as I understand all of understood all of these mechanisms that were at play, which I could link to science. It gave me the ability to understand what I was doing to myself. And then I could make a choice about whether I wanted to carry on with my life the way it was and how I was feeling, which of course I did not want to, or change, go through this process and this transformation. Mm -hmm. And this is uh 
like everything you're explaining right now is very uh or it seems very eastern philosophy kind of stuff like uh even when i've uh read a ton about like buddhism and different stuff in the tao and stuff like it seems like this is a very similar uh kind of uh thinking that they have um when it comes to like bondage or like i know it's sometimes referred to as like attachment like that's exactly what you're talking about your ego it it attaches to uh things that you find pleasurable that you chase that you think it's going to make your life better and you it's something external that you end up chasing uh, until you some eventually realize hopefully you eventually realize that it's not doing it and it uh you, yeah you're going outside yourself rather than inside yourself so and then you're all the other part is uh your ego can run away from something that you fear and like you explain that very well um so that kind of bondage or attachment that the ego does yeah uh, do you have like a different way that you kind of teach in your book about uh trying to get away from that or trying to dissolve that uh, so to answer your question um yes uh that's what this book is about it's about this process that we each individually need to go through to one gain new knowledge and two then go through a specific process through these seven steps to uh, dissolve these bondages of the ego and then rebuild with uh, golden qualities of divine consciousness to be consistent with our source, with our creator, with God, whatever you want to call it. And it's a very specific process and, and you need to understand, uh, first you need to be open to this material. And so this science section of a higher road is really to open you up to be able to accept and uh, be open to this new material that you get introduced to, this blueprint material. You have to come to this material like a little child, full of wonder, full of curiosity, uh, with no prejudgments. And if you can do that, and you can keep um, any negative thoughts or, or judgmental thoughts in abeyance and spend the time at this, you will start to learn new knowledge and new concepts and this process that will enable you to transform your life. And um, it's really important that when you come to this, that you do not doubt. So any doubts that you have as you're reading this stuff and you're being introduced to this new information you have to keep those in abeyance. And I can promise you that if, if you can do that and you follow this process in this methodical, uh, you know, incremental way of learning, you will build this foundation that will become so solid for you that um, you will start to change how you think. And you will start to understand the me mechanisms of the universe what your purpose in life is, what your purpose, see, it's not your purpose in this life. It's your, you have to change your frame of reference. This is a purpose for your soul and, and learning these things to be able to undo these um, bondages 
to be able to connect back with the divine. And as you go through this process, so I describe this very clearly in the last chapter of my book, What Happened to Me. So um, when I first started this process, um, you know, I, I didn't doubt I was in a very open place. This would be material that I, that I typically, before I was at this point of uh, brink of suicide, I would typically, typically run from this material in terms of how it's branded and how it is presented. But I was at a point where, um, as I said, this foundation was being laid for me by going through these science books and opening me up and expanding my concept of consciousness to get me to this point where I would take this new material that, that had come to me um, and be open to it. And then as I went through this process, it was so believable and so understandable and so easy to read that, um, that I just, I kept my faith and I kept my belief in any doubt of anything that I was reading, where I was questioning, I just kept it in abeyance. And so you'll learn this process. You'll learn a meditation, um, that you need to do. And I meditate every day, every morning. You can start with 10 minutes. I not to scare anybody, but I meditate between 90 minutes and two hours every morning. Oh, wow. And what happens is that, so I can tell you what happened to me. I can't talk about timing for anybody else, but I can tell you the timing for me. So as I study this material over a seven month period, I just kept the faith and I kept learning and I kept understanding and I kept reading and pondering it and meditating on what I was reading in a way that I knew how to meditate. Then I actually learned how to meditate and you don't learn a specific, specific meditation tool way into this material. And the reason is because you actually have to know and you have to have new knowledge before this meditation will be really successful for you. So you don't learn how to do this meditation until later on. So just be patient as you go through and you do it. But what happened at the seven month levels, I start to feel this little opening at the top of my head. I didn't know that's what it was, probably the size of a dime. It just felt a little bit weird. What was really going on was I was building new brain cells with new knowledge. And from that seven month period to the end of a year, that, that opening went from this little dime to kind of the top of my head. That opening today now after you know, over three years of doing this is halfway down my ears and all the way around my head. Put a big bowl over my head that goes down halfway my ears. That's how big that opening is now. And what happened is that as I was dissolving these bondages of the ego and opening up to um, change levels of consciousness, so higher frequency of vibrations, you connect with the divine. And when you connect with the divine, you'll feel the, the spiritual inflow of energy into your head. Eventually, it will, it will be throughout your whole body, but you'll feel it in your head. It might go into your chest, went into you know, my chest, then down one side, then down up the other side, and then um, centered in my solar plexus. So your solar plexus is the seat of your emotions. And um, nowadays... That spiritual energy, I have this constant and um, mutual reciprocation of communication with the divine. And I get direction in terms of what I need to be working on and what I need to be cleansing, what I need to be clearing, what I need to be doing for the day. And when you have this connection, so a year after when I woke up 
feeling just this inner state of love, peace, and joy. I knew that what I knew was truth. And it's just grown from there. There's an evolving process and it just gets deeper. So things that I read at the beginning of this or a year after, you know, I read a sentence or a paragraph. I now have a much deeper and more evolved understanding of what I was reading of what I thought I understood that to be. And it's just this continual expansion and understanding about where we actually come from and what our truth is, what we're here and what we're meant to be doing. Mm. And um, so a year after this, uh, this process started, I started this process, I had two meditations. Um, and we don't have the human language to actually describe this, but uh, you know, I describe it in the book as best I can in a higher road. But I went into these meditations where I was just as a super high level of consciousness and frequency of consciousness. And I was just bathed in unconditional love. I didn't care what was wrong with my body. I didn't care what I had gone through, what anybody did to me in the past, the present, the future. It didn't matter. I just wanted to stay in that state forever. And I think that's a glimpse, just a glimpse of what we will feel when we pass from this life back into the divine. Hmm. And it's just a glimpse, I think, of what Anita Morjani experienced in this 24-hour period that she experienced her coma. And it was just so amazing, so beautiful, and so, like, as soon as you have an experience like that, it's like, okay, you know, like, I'm on this path. I'm I'm committed. I'm 100%. There's, you know, I don't care what anybody says to me today. Believe me, don't believe me, doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I uh, I respect that, man. Um, and like, yeah, no, I actually I really respect that. If you like have that feeling and you're like, you know what, this is what I believe, and I'm going to tell everybody and like express it, then hell yeah, nothing but respect. Um, all right, uh, that's our time, man. I got one more question for you. It's the name of the podcast. I have a feeling uh, we've already kind of uh, brushed over uh, pretty much uh, how you believe this stuff, but maybe if you want to give like one final little summary, uh, D. Neil Elliott, God, yay or nay? <laughs> That's going to be a big yay. <laughs> <laughs> or as some might say, duh <laughs> <laughs> i don't know uh, if it's a big duh for a lot of people but uh no yeah and i, I think honestly you've talked a lot about uh how you uh look at the consciousness now and like how your view of it has changed and it seems that's where you kind of find uh divinity is in in that uh if i'm correct so we okay so we are all consciousness we everything is consciousness we are consciousness made visible through the descent of vibrational frequency of electrical particles we are not matter imbued with consciousness we are consciousness made visible everything around you is consciousness and um and this is the kind of stuff that you're going to understand as you go through these seven steps and you'll get a, your own understanding of that um, as you go through these seven steps. Um, the other thing that, um, just to bridge this, so we think with electrical impulses in our brain, we know this in science, we feel with magnetic impulses in our nervous system, 
what you think about is a creative consciousness plan. What you feel magnetizes to that thinking things that will be manifested in your life in a short period of time or life long period of time. Could be a year, could be six months, could be a year, could be 10, 20 years in the future, 50 years in the future. The more we reinforce that thinking, the stronger that magnetic pull becomes and you attract these life experiences into your, into your life. I describe in my book how I unknowingly, unwittingly, and ignorantly use these mechanisms before I knew any of this stuff to manifest a $60,000 hardtop Lexus convertible on a $100 ticket. <laughs> and then later in the book, because now I know how this actually worked, I describe exactly these mechanisms of electromagnetism and through thinking and feeling how that Lexus actually came into form. Nice. And we do this with everything in our thinking. So the universe is, uh, doesn't care about I like or I don't like. Anything you think is a consciousness plan everything you do magnetizes and bonding and this electrical magnet magnet uh, magnetization attracts to it like experiences so if you have negative thoughts and you reinforce it with negative feelings you're going to attract that same kind of event into your life or same kind of experience into your life and as we grow from babyhood to adulthood and we have you know reinforced our ego thinking this is what we're doing and when you wake up to this and you understand these mechanisms, you can make a choice. I want to carry on and continue doing that. Or ooh, maybe I will start on this path to actually dissolve these things and get in alignment with the divine. Amazing. All right. Uh, hey, thank you so much, Neil. Um, let my audience know uh, one more time about your book, where to get it. Um, maybe, I don't know, anything else you want to uh, um, promote, please let them know now. Yeah. Okay. So the book is called A Higher Road. Cleanse your consciousness to transcend the ego and ascend spiritually. A seven-step process to inner peace, joy, love, abundance, and prosperity. It's by D. Neil Elliott. The D is only to differentiate me as an author. It's a, a initial of my first name. So it's by D. Neil Elliott. My website is dneilelliot.com. That's D-N-E-I-L-E-L-L-I-O-T-T.com. All my social media links are there. The book's available on Amazon in a hardcover, paperback, ebook. And it's on all your favorite uh, ebook formats. And it's available through your local bookstores. And uh, if you go to my website under, I think it's about my book, um, you can request a, a free chapter if you're interested. Uh, and you get that first chapter for free to read. That's awesome. And I'll make sure to link your website in the description of the podcast. Uh, all right, Neil, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I hope people uh, check out your book and I hope we can do this again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, been fantastic. So nice to meet you. And uh, thank you very much for your time today. It's, uh, it's great. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I hope that my goal is to create a new era of love and peace through the world. And we do this through individual transformations of ourselves so. hey exactly <laughs> all right that was another episode thanks for listening everybody please like and subscribe to the podcast give it a good rating that always helps 
and share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.